listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Future of Pharmacy Podcast, featuring the innovators transforming medication management. The Future of Pharmacy Podcast is brought to you by OmniCell. Now here's our host, Ken Perez. Welcome to the Future of Pharmacy Podcast. I'm Ken Perez, Vice President of Healthcare Policy and Government Affairs, and I'm your host for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is a challenging time for hospitals and health systems. Most are losing money. According to Kaufman Hall, the average hospital lost money each month through September of last year, and they're going to lose money for 2022 overall. Health systems, therefore, must think strategically about what they should invest in, and Especially pharmacy is one of those areas. Why? Well, labor shortages are the number one issue for hospital CEOs, according to the most recent American College of Healthcare Executives CEO survey. The American Nurses Association reports that 89% of hospitals are experiencing nursing shortages. And the American Hospital Association projected a shortage of 1.1 million nurses in the US at the end of 2022. Moreover, the average pharmacy technician vacancy rate is 20 to 30%, according to ASHB. So labor shortages are huge, and they have caused costs to go up, and margins are non-existent. At the same time, hospitals still face pressure to deliver value-based care, reduce hospital admissions, and improve medication adherence. Now, especially pharmacy, is one of the fastest-growing pharmacy areas and has emerged as an attractive way for hospitals and health systems to generate revenue. Specialty medications account for more than 50% of overall drug spending. Specialty medications are complex and require extensive patient education to achieve desired outcomes and reduce hospital readmissions. Now, operating a specialty pharmacy isn't easy. Here's some questions to consider. How does a specialty pharmacy interact with certain patients? What complexities are involved in getting a specialty drug to a patient? How do you establish and maintain relationships with drug manufacturers and payers? And what must a specialty pharmacy do to achieve medication adherence and expected patient outcomes? Now, to address these issues and more, we're going to examine a real-life case study involving a specialty medication called Zyvaxin. In this scenario, Bausch Health, maker of Zyvaxin, partnered with Omnicell Specialty Pharmacy Services to execute a medication adherence monitoring program to optimize patient adherence and outcomes. With us today are two members of the OmniCell Specialty Pharmacy Services team who have been instrumental in the Zyvaxin adherence monitoring effort. Sarah Kester, Pharmaceutical Program Manager, and Matt Manning, Director of Health Systems Operations. Sarah and Matt, welcome to the program. Hi, Ken. Thanks for having us. Hi, Ken. Thanks. Yeah, excited to be here. Sarah, tell us more about Zyvaxin and why Bausch Health chose to partner with OmniCell Specialty Pharmacy Services to achieve its goals for the medication. So Zyvaxin is a small molecule specialty medication. It has two indications, one for irritable bowel syndrome with diarrhea and another for patients in the liver space for the reduction of overt hepatic encephalopathy. So this drug has millions of patients across the country today. Unfortunately, medication non-adherence is commonplace, especially in patients who are taking the medication long-term for the chronic condition of hepatic encephalopathy. So this is what prompted Bausch Health to partner with Omnicell Specialty Pharmacy Services in 2018. 
The goal of our program is to improve patient adherence to Zyfaxin and thus improve patient outcomes through a combination of education, counseling, and encouragement. So our involvement in this project began when we had observations for patients that were involved in another program. This was our hepatitis C patients that we were following with advanced adherence monitoring thanks to clinical support from another manufacturer. So as we administered that program, our provider partners were thrilled with the results that they were seeing for their hepatitis C patients. And that led to discussions around another patient population that was difficult to manage. And that, of course, was patients with liver disease and hepatic encephalopathy. This led to a proposal with Bausch Health for an advanced clinical adherence monitoring program for these patients. It started out as a 12-month program, but we saw so much success with the program that it ended up being extended to a 36-month program that's still active today. And our clinicians perform an average of 2,000 interventions per year every year that the program has been in place. Wow, that's very impressive. So Sarah, what does an advanced clinical adherence monitoring program entail, and what does the OmniCell Specialty Pharmacy Services team do to impact adherence to Zyvaxin? So the process for our team starts at the very beginning of the life cycle of the prescription. In a typical big box or PBM pharmacy scenario, when a prescription for Zyfaxin is received, if a prior authorization is needed, and they very typically are, then the pharmacy would send that insurance rejection back to the provider and basically do nothing until they hear back from the provider that the prescription has been approved. Meanwhile, the patient languishes without their medication. Now, when you send your prescription to your health system-owned pharmacy, as soon as we receive the referral and it's determined that a PA is needed, the pharmacy goes right to work on completing the PA. Now, our team members are very well-versed in the requirements for PAs, and we have a very high PA approval rate, over 92%. And that 92% approval rate includes prior authorizations for all indications, including the IBS-related indications. If you consider just the HE indication, then the PA approval rate is even higher. And we're also happy to announce that HE has now finally received its own ICD-10 code, which should result in an even clearer path for our patients with HE to get approval to be on this medication. So that's the first piece. Once your PA is approved, then our clinical team takes over, and at that point, we contact the patients. When we talk to the patients, we provide in-depth counseling, patient education, and this is not just about the medication, it's about the disease state, as well as the medication use, side effects, how to manage and mitigate them. We check for any drug interactions, and we educate the patient on the desired outcomes for treatment. We commonly find in these discussions that the patients may not have a good understanding of why they were prescribed the drug and what benefit it will have for them. Patients frequently get started on this med after a hospitalization for symptoms of hepatic encephalopathy. Cognitive deficits are a hallmark sign of HE, so we have to be especially aware of that and use various methods to make sure that the patient or caregiver has a good grasp of what we're teaching them. Making sure that they have a good understanding of why it's so important to be adherent to this medication is a cornerstone piece of our educational efforts with each new patient. What we want to avoid is the patient taking the med, starting to feel better, and believing that they can stop since the symptoms have abated. 
Of course, we know that once they stop, the ammonia goes back up and the symptoms can return. This could result in a hospital readmission or loss of function for the patient, both which are symptoms we want to avoid. So the initial consultation is done. What happens next? After the initial counseling and delivery of the medication, as part of the program, we continue to perform clinical follow-up on a monthly basis for each patient. Seven to 10 days before their refill is due, follow-up calls are made to every patient. At that time, we monitor for side effects, efficacy of the medication, and any hospitalizations the patient may have experienced. We can assist in getting pertinent information back to the provider as sometimes patients have difficulty contacting their provider or they may not even recognize that a symptom they're experiencing should be reported. We also provide monthly reminders that the patient should be on this medication for long-term maintenance and should not stop unless directed by their provider. We provide 36 months of follow-up for the patient as part of our partnership with Bausch. Now, Sarah, what benefits do you see from this intensive follow-up with patients? So our most important finding is the increase in days on therapy for our patients versus the national average. The average days on therapy for all Zyfaxin patients is around 5.4 months. However, patients that participate in our program are on therapy for about nine months. Now, when you look at that, you say, okay, the patient gets a few more months of treatment. What's the importance of that? To be clear, this is resulting in patients living longer, having a better quality of life, and staying out of the hospital. This is very important for a patient that has a chronic long-term condition, and having a better quality of life results in a better outcome for that patient. One of my favorite stories is a patient who we spoke with the caregiver to start the program when he was started on Zyfaxin after an episode of hepatic encephalopathy. This episode of HE resulted in him losing his driving privileges. When we started out, as I said, we had to speak with his caregiver because his cognitive deficit was too great for him to speak with us directly. But after getting him established on treatment, his symptoms abated, and now we're able to speak with him. He was even able to start driving again, and every month he mentions that when we do our follow-up. Getting his freedom to be independent back was such a great experience for him. Now, obviously, not all patients have such a pronounced improvement, but this is a great example of what Zyfaxin can do when taken appropriately. You're listening to the Future of Pharmacy podcast. I'm Ken Perez, your host, and I'm joined by Sarah Kester and Matt Manning, from OmniCell Specialty Pharmacy Services. Now let's take this up a level. We've gotten a detailed overview of the Advanced Clinical Adherence Monitoring Program in play with Zyvaxin, but patient adherence is just one of the many challenges associated with operating a specialty pharmacy and optimizing results. So Matt, what are some other common core challenges that impact specialty pharmacies and how can health systems ensure they are positioned for success? Yeah, thanks, Ken. There's there's a lot of considerations, I think, when it comes to opening up and scaling a specialty pharmacy, which is why we're energized to help support the health systems overcome the challenges that you had highlighted early on, whether it was revenue, costs. Uh, we want to be there to support and help our partners find and identify more revenue opportunities for them, for their health systems, for their patients. So the program that Sarah had outlined is really a core example of one of the services that OmniCell Specialty Pharmacy Services is able to provide uh, to our customers uh, to help support their growth, support their revenue identifying opportunities, really. 
uh, it allows you to break down a variety of different barriers, whether it's trade, uh, which is drug access, whether it's access to payer contracting. If you aren't able to build successful programs, if you're able to track your outcomes, you're going to have a lot of challenges identifying and having those discussions with the manufacturers and the payers to really scale up your program. So what do we do? You know, from our perspective, the specialty services division uh, provides full implementation services. So whether it's operations, whether it's payer, whether it's technology, trade, uh, accreditation, we want to make sure that when you're entering your specialty pharmacy journey, that we're helping you navigate all of those things and doing them right. Clinical programs and integrated care. We provide a core service offering to make sure that those are up and running and up and running quickly. Uh, we have a standard set of SOPs that we offer to all of our partners to ensure that they're able to have those discussions with payers, manufacturers, so that they can get accredited successfully uh, and make sure that they're validating their program. Everything that Sarah had outlined, it was a lot of detail, prior authorizations, turnaround times, patient contact times, all of those things need to be tracked, they need to be documented, and the clinical programs that we put together ensure that those things are happening. From a technology perspective as well, a core piece of infrastructure that you need uh, to have implemented so that you're able to track all those things. Uh, it's easy to go out and say that you're doing uh, all this tracking, all this PA support, but what do you have in your systems to make you efficient so that you're able to do this successfully? So we believe that our technology process, our implementation process, it really drives your program to compliance, to compliance from the perspective of having those discussions to break down those barriers with payers and manufacturers. So let's just start with manufacturer relations. The core piece that we're going to focus on is limited drug distribution. A lot of the products going through your pharmacy operation being written today by your providers are what we consider limited drug distribution. They could be limited for a variety of different reasons, whether it's REMS considerations, whether it's storage considerations, whether it's just cost. There's a lot of things that go into a manufacturer's decision to limit the distribution of these drugs to certain pharmacies. So I just read the other day uh, that 48% of the specialty pharmacy pipeline consists of products aimed to treat orphan disease states. Uh, when you include oncology in that number, it's 80%. And those are the hallmark disease states that are going to be very challenging to get access to. So you're going to need to think about how are you going to validate your operation? You can talk to a manufacturer confidently and say that we do all of these things. We track all of these numbers. We use that to define and monitor our outcomes for our patients so that they have confidence in you, so that they know that by when you have access to their product, their patients are going to be taken care of. Why is this so important? Well, we talked a little bit about it to start. A specialty pharmacy at its core is handling high-touch, high-cost disease states. There's a lot of pressure from manufacturers to make sure that those are distributed and their patients are being monitored appropriately. So there's another piece of this, which is speed to access, right, or speed to market, so to speak. We want to make sure that you are able to get access to those products as quickly as you can. This really comes full circle when we talk about accreditation. So a lot of times we'll be able to have great conversations with manufacturers regarding their product anchored in the SOPs and the policies and the programs that we have. 
to ensure that you're able to have a good chance, right, to have access to those products. So the other core or pillar that we've talked about is uh, having access to payer networks. Uh, again, limited for a variety of different reasons. So payers will restrict certain products and medications and patients uh, to be serviced through their preferred pharmacy operation, whether it's a PBM, whether it's a pharmacy that uh, they've included within their network, a specialty pharmacy. That is a challenge that you need to know going into opening up your pharmacy operation. Just a second ago, we tied limited drug distribution to payer access. One of the first questions a payer is going to have on their application is, what disease states can you service? Do you have access to all of these drugs? We really take a unique approach to addressing the barriers of access to payer networks. Uh, OmniCell Specialty Pharmacy Services manages our own PSAO. If you're not familiar with that, it's really a grouping of payers, contracts that you have in different markets in order to make sure that you have good access to the different market landscapes. So we provide that service offering. It allows us to get into a majority of networks very quickly. It allows our team to help support audits. It allows our team to help support payer relations and negotiations. But when we look at the payer piece and how we're going to navigate that, we really look at what's unique about your market. So are you a health system with a high Medicaid population? What's the discussion going to be with the providers in the market? And how are you going to show your value to them? All of this really translates to our adherence uh, improvement monitoring. So when we look at, are we doing a good job? Are we doing the things that we've put in place? Some of the core KPIs that we look at in order to make sure we're measuring our pharmacy team uh, are time to therapy, financial barriers, patient adherence, and capture rate. So are we growing your business? When we think about time to therapy, we're asking ourselves, what things can we do to help our patients get access to their medications quicker? How can we improve their experience? How can we improve the provider experience? And the benchmark that we often see uh, within our organizations is around 45 hours to start. The other piece of this, and just as important, is really breaking down financial barriers. You could have the best KPIs in the world for the patients on medication. You could have a 12-hour time to start. You could have 100% adherence for all the patients that are on medications. But if they can't afford it, you're never going to be able to improve their outcomes, improve their experience and their compliance. So we put a lot of effort into making sure that we're breaking down financial barriers for our patients. We're putting in a lot of different resources to the operations within the health systems. We're thinking about if one division or if one clinic or practice is having a specific issue, how do we dedicate someone to just help support that journey for the patient to make sure patients are either getting funding, limited co-pays, a lot of those pieces. The other item that you have to think about when it comes to the financial barrier perspective is a lot of your patients from the start are going to be Medicare patients. We touched on payer access, commercial access. A lot of commercial patients get pushed towards specific pharmacies. A good percentage of your patients to start are going to be Medicare. Manufactured copay cards are not allowed to be utilized for Medicare patients for a variety of different reasons. 
So that puts a lot of pressure on the pharmacy team to make sure that the patients that can't afford it with $1,000 copays are getting resources that allow them to get access and start therapy. The other piece of it is capture rate. And what I mean by that is the value of medications being sent to your pharmacy. So we're thinking about building a business. We're thinking about how do we track which medications need handled. So from the perspective of revenue capture, uh, when we look at different clinicians, when we look at different specialties, we're thinking about uh, which providers, which operations need the most focus, and we measure ourselves on that. So when we think about capture rate, our goal is typically 75% with referrals into our pharmacy from a revenue perspective. So again, we value the revenue per prescription. We think about how is that going to tra translate to savings and revenue growth for our health systems. And that's how we measure ourselves in terms of interactions. Matt, thank you so much for raising those important issues and sharing how they can be addressed. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank our expert guests, Sarah Kester and Matt Manning from OmniCell Specialty Pharmacy Services. And I also want to thank you, our listening audience, for joining us today. For the Future of Pharmacy podcast and for OmniCell, I'm Ken Perez. Thanks for listening. This has been the Future of Pharmacy podcast, featuring the innovators transforming medication management. Until next time, don't get stuck in the clouds. The Future of Pharmacy podcast is brought to you by OmniCell.